1: Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Gorst and Joe Rummert both alongside me. All of the Premier League matches this weekend have been postponed after the passing of the Queen. While there are doubts over what happens next weekend too around the funeral. We'll keep you updated, of course, with any developments in all of the usual places as things happen throughout the weekend and into next week. We're going to have a quick word on that very shortly. We're going to be having a chat around that 4-1 defeat to Napoli on Wednesday as well plenty to discuss there in terms of what Liverpool need to do next but as I mentioned Gorsty, we'll start with the postponement of the matches this weekend it, it, it was kind of no surprise ultimately that something was, was going to be done, we kind of thought that that might be the case yesterday, it has now proven to be the case today but I suppose a, a mixed reaction it would be fair to say around the, the kind of decision that the Premier League has come to Yeah
2: I mean it, it depends on, on who you're following on, on Twitter really for what the reaction is because Obviously, you tend to set your own agenda, don't you, on your, on your social media. And the one I found was quite a lot of people who were a bit annoyed and frustrated. That, um I mean, essentially, it's, you know, a lot of people pointing to the fact that it's going to impact quite a lot of people economically. You know, there's so many people who work at football games, isn't it? It isn't just the 32 players and the managers involved, it's the catering staff who are. Who are quite a lot of time on kind of freelance, you know, our contracts, it's freelance journalists who might not necessarily be getting paid because there's no football to cover this weekend. Um, So it's been a decision which is taken out of respect, obviously for Her Majesty the Queen, um, which is all fine and good. And, and, you know, there there are merits to it, but I just feel it's possibly a little bit short-sighted. What what does anyone really gain from there being no football this weekend? Uh, They could have had, um, you know minutes applause or minute silences throughout the games across the entire football calendar really and really kind of cemented the meaning that the queen was for a lot of people not necessarily in in the mid-side area i'd like to add but um generally it just seems that it's a little bit of a short-sighted decision um i mean it won't necessarily impact too many in, in terms of you know frankly our desk but there are, as I say, plenty of, of other journalists who now are missing out on money during the time when there is a bit of a, well, certainly a cost of living crisis and whatever else. So it just seems to be a little bit of a short-sighted decision, I, I feel. You know, they could have paid the proper respects in, in the right way across the, the grounds at three o'clock tomorrow afternoon or, or whatever it may be. and um, It just seems all a little bit unnecessary, really. Um, but there we are.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not just professional sport either, Joe. Grassroots and all of, of the sports, really, apart from rugby, it seems from what I've spotted in terms of of what's not happening this weekend seems to sort of almost caught people by surprise, really. You'd think that there would have been a, a plan in place for this kind of eventuality. And I suppose that was the, the real surprise for me. There was a, a Premier League meeting this morning at all. I would have thought that they would have known what was going to happen.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I found it quite peculiar this morning that government guidance at least seem to be that you know ca- carry on um there's no there didn't seem to be any sort of guidance from the government anyway to say football must close down but yeah i mean I, look, it it's difficult isn't it you know to talk about these things we do live in a bit of an island up here in merseyside and i think it's not something a lot of us feel that strongly about and i don't want to sound insensitive um because the queen meant a lot to a lot of people but I do find it peculiar that in sport we feel like we have to make these grand gestures of, you know, let's call the whole thing off. I mean, as as Gorsi said, that there's a lot more at play than just 22 men on a pitch kicking a ball around. There's a lot of economic factors that go into it. There's a lot of people that work within the industry. There's a lot of disruption. Fans will lose money. The ones that will bucked accommodation or, you know, train tickets, whatever it might be. Uh, the, the, it has wider impact than, than just, you know, let's just call it all off, guys, and, and pay our respects and for me I don't really understand why you would do that with sport and not other walks of life, you know, we can all still go out to a pub or a club tonight or you can go to the cinema if you want tomorrow and watch a film for two hours but you can't watch a football match for 90 minutes so, you know, people still have to live their lives, they still have to escape and um, you know, I, I find it all slightly odd. And then and then when you get further down, I mean, grassroots, I mean, I, I, I think, to be honest, I think that's pretty poor because at the end of the day, you know, I know people whose seven, eight, nine-year-old children can't play football um, tomorrow or on Sunday, or can't even train because because of this. And I, and I find that bizarre, you know, why, why should it impact on a kid's health, mental health, uh, you know, enjoyment because they, you know, they won't really understand this. <laughs> you know, I think you'd be better off having a minute silence before a, a grassroots game to show children what it means rather than calling the whole thing off. So slightly bizarre, but then, as you say, perhaps that's because there doesn't seem to be a protocol and it seems to be thrown together a little bit this morning. Um, it seems to have come down to a couple of last-minute meetings rather than having a, a plan. And, and, look, you know, this weekend might be off, but... The way things are going, so could next weekend, and then you're looking at a month without Premier League fixtures and a season which is already mm-hmm. ridiculous because of so many reasons. Again, you know, I mean, look, this is props going off topic a little bit, which is fair enough, but you have you know, they laugh, don't they long and loud at Jürgen Klopp who, who complains about fixtures and forcing them in. But look now you've got a season which is disrupted and this is the reason why they shouldn't play every single midweek, every single week, because you need to have some wiggle room for things like this that happen. Um, so, so yeah, so um, it's all a bit bizarre. Um, but you know, um, as I say, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't want to sound insensitive because I'm not. And I, you know, the Queen meant a lot to a lot of people, and um, it's not, um, it's not fair to just completely be insensitive. But it does seem to have been a strange day thrown together, like you say, Matt. Um, it's something that we thought would just there would have just been a protocol in place.
2: One one of the things that surprised me is the fact that there wasn't anything in place. Joe, like you say, I mean, with with honestly the the greatest of respect to the Queen, and um, she was a woman who was in her mid nineties. Um, would there not have been any private conversations amongst the powers that be in the Premier League to suggest a framework for? The eventuality of of her passing at, at some stage, um, because when it even when it, it did happen, and it, you know, obviously, sadly, has come to pass, um, just kind of reacting ad hoc to that seems very um, amateurish, really, of, of such a you know a, such a big body that is the Premier League. So they definitely should have at least had a, a private conversation about it. Not necessarily strict to the letter guidelines that have been dispatched to every Premier League club, there should have at least been something in place to have have kind of come up with something rather than just, um, you know, we'll decide when it happens. But again, that might come back to the government just essentially holding their hands up and saying, not our problem, use crack on with it, which we perhaps should not be as surprised about.
1: Yeah, certainly be interesting, as Joe mentioned before, around the fixtures and kind of when all of, of those things fit in, lots of, of elements to this, I'm sure we'll come back to it at some point in some form or another. But let's move on to, to Napoli next. course you were obviously over in Italy for the game and, I mean, it wasn't a great performance. It probably wasn't the, the greatest of trips for you. What did you make of, of that game?
2: <laughs> Where to start with this one? Um, just ruthlessly exposed, weren't they, Liverpool. They've, kind of been maybe getting away with it here and there because the, the performances haven't been good, but they've been getting a draw here or there or, you know, even pulling out the fire against Newcastle, didn't even. Well, everything that is wrong with the pill season all came on to roost against a uh, side They looked like a top-class European team. To be fair to Napoli, a little bit of a new-look Napoli. They've lost to the Bali and Mertens and, and Sydney and, obviously, Hampstead left a couple of years back and they're kind of four big staples of the napoli team over much of the last 10 years and, and none of them are there now but they've, they've re- rebuilt superbly by the looks of things absolutely put liverpool to the sword didn't he there, there was um there was no pressure on the ball whatsoever from the midfield the high line got exposed as a result of it Mohammed salah was so far off the pace it was untrue fabinho had one of his worst games since alexander arnold defensively he was it was shocking. Um, I mean, just everywhere you look, Joe Gomez, so many individual items came him before he was brought off to so, a man. They, 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 they were just dreadful and, and they, were, they were punished for it. And I think it's got to be a little bit of a watershed moment now for this season because some people are still potentially kind of making the case that it's not actually that bad. And they might have had half a point given that they're not massively out of anything at the top of the Premier League and even the defeat itself you know, in the Champions League they still, you know still be able to control group A if, if they put a run together. But it was just it was more the performance really because you wouldn't have been shocked if Napoli would have went in at half-time, five or six no a look. They obviously missed the penalty, or Alison saved it rather, and, and then Van Dijk had one off the line. They hit the post forty seconds into the game. Um so it's it's got to act now as something there's a bit of a bit of a kick of the backside and a bit of a wake up call. Um and we won't know, will we, until Ajax on Tuesday because of, of the game that's being called off, which in a perverse way might even help Liverpool just get back on the training ground and work on two or three or maybe even five or six things that they need to and uh, go from there. It's just a really horrendous night. One of the um, one of the worst performances in the Champions League under Klopp. Um, the one that always sticks out for me is Red Star Belgrade in, I think, November of 2018. But um, this was... This was 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 something else entirely. It really was that bad.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, the the Napoli fans, Joe, were obviously really happy with the the performance and the result. The Italian media, you know, really enjoyed it as well. I think in terms of of kind of how much Liverpool had been hammered by Napoli, but. How how much did they impress you, or how much do you think was it a case of Liverpool were just so bad that you can't really read too much into that? It was it was more just a case of, of Liverpool were were abysmal.
0: No, I think I think Napoli deserve credit. You know, at the end of the day, they set out to expose Liverpool in, in certain ways. You know, the um, the forward, Simhem oh, oh, Sime. <laughs> Sorry, that's awful. I'm sorry if he's listening and I've butchered your name. But, you know, before he went off injured, he ran the channels well. I thought he dragged Joe Gomez pretty much here, there and everywhere, didn't he? And there was clearly a a focus from Napoli to expose Liverpool's high line. And they did that really, really well. Um, So, Napoli deserve tremendous credit. They've obviously started the season very well and it showed. But, I mean, first of all, some perspective, clock teams... We've seen it happen before. It'll happen again when Liverpool do get exposed because of the risky nature of their football. I think it can look particularly bad and it can make players look, you know, I think Van Dyke looked out sore the other night as did Gomez, but because of the way they're, you know, they're, they're brave, aren't they? They play such a high line. They leave players isolated one-on-one. It can look bad and it can go from bad to worse quite quickly, but so, you know, the result in isolation, I, I think you can sort of move on from, it's not the end of the world. You know, in the Champions League, as I think, you know, I, I think the group stage, the competition personally has gone a bit stale because I don't think there's any jeopardy there anymore. You know, I think no one really worries really about the away games because I think by and large, you win your home games, you get through the group. So Liverpool will still be, you know, confident that if I was a better man, I'd bet on Liverpool to win the group. But, but if you take the game out of isolation and look at it in the context of this season, I think it's really worrying and um, you know it's accumulation of the issues that Liverpool have had all season and you know a team in Napoli who were very well prepared who came out totally exposed and and look you know um, as as Doyle gleefully put in our blood red group the other day you know that someone someone said that I was perhaps moaning too much the other day and I'm conscious that you know personally I've moaned a lot this season (laughs) I've kind of For a guy, I like to think that I'm usually quite glass half full. You know, I I feel like it's been quite frustrating, but I just think the rot all starts from midfield. And and I'm so frustrated with it because I look at that midfield and think successful club team when they've been at their best. To me, the midfield has been like the unsung hero. It's been the three workers who make everything happen for everyone else, allow the full backs to attack, allow the forwards to be free. And I look at it now and think there's no balance there, you know, that there's no consistency in the three that they change every week. Um, unfortunately, I think if I'm being brutally honest, I think Milner's too old to play every game, Harvey Elliott's too young to play every game, mm-hmm. Fabinho is the type of player that does look isolated when the players when the balance isn't right around him. And you know, Klopp said it himself. You know, I think let's be brutally honest, Klopp said himself after the game. know they play the high line there's nothing wrong with the high line when the midfield puts pressure um, on the ball and that isn't happening and it's clear that that isn't happening and it's not happening in a cohesive way so you know to me it all starts with the midfield and that is a i'm sorry but it's a failure of the club to prepare for a midfield that is aged and that is is suffering injury problems and whether it's the board in the terms of the owners whether it's the transfer department, whether it's a sl- slight bit of stubbornness from Klopp, it's combined. And and I think, you know, there's a lot to be playing for this season. And of course, they can get players back. And and we know more than anyone that Klopp can get that team playing. It, it could happen in the next game, you know, it could all click and they could go on a 10-game winning run and uh, make me and others look stupid. But I, I don't think we can hide from the fact that that midfield needs it needed freshening up in the summer. I'd argue it needed freshening up the summer before, and it certainly needs freshening up next summer. And it will only become a problem, a bigger and bigger problem, if they don't do that.
2: Well, just, just, just want to make the point, Matt, before you, you ask the next question. Um, Joe mentions there about, about Harvey Elliott, and I made the point for, for Elliott the other week on the pod saying, you know, people say, oh, he's going to be a player, and the only way you can kind of fulfill that is by playing. And I almost feel like I'm, I'm doing a U-turn on him at the moment because um, it just looks like he's, he's a little bit rabbit in the headlights at the moment. Not on the ball because he's, he's a quality young player, isn't he? But out of possession, he hasn't got the same kind of pressing instincts or physicality, really, to get about the pitch and put opposition under pressure when they're on the ball. Um so when the, when the team are struggling, it becomes difficult to kind of carry him to an extent because um like if you look you look at if you look at Liverpool last season and, and he was starting games in midfield and you, you know he was looking like he was gonna be a really exciting player and and he will be of course, but that was when everyone was at hundred percent, everyone was was playing really to a high level and they were just kind of looking to evolve slightly by You know, dropping him in there and and giving him a little bit of a run out and getting some minutes under his belt and watching him develop, and developing around the rest of the team that was you know world class quality. And Joe Gomez to an extent this season is a little bit similar. You know, if if he's playing centre back at a time when everyone else is fit and firing and Liverpool are at those levels, that's how he kind of gets his rhythm back to the level he was at you know two years ago before that horrendous injury. But when when they not and Liverpool collectively have dipped so badly it becomes a lot more difficult for these players to perform I think and, and that's that's what we're seeing at the moment you know clock did mention that there was no kind of pressing pressing in midfield or pressure on the ball and it was only when we've seen Thiago come on that, that there was any kind of closing down and, and getting near Napoli and putting a, a tackle in and um that was, the, that was the biggest problem for me on Wednesday because it just leaves the back four exposed when, when they're trying to squeeze the pitch and move high, high up the pitch because simple ball in behind and, and Napoli are in and Sunday league teams can play like that, can't he? Um, it was obvious from the first minute when Osman goes in and goes around Allison. So I just feel, I mean, there, there aren't so many other options at the moment because of the injuries, but I just feel like it might be a little bit of a, of a chance just to take Elliott out the final line for a bit and get a little bit of solidity and um, just a bit of um, physicality in, in midfield if they can from somewhere. And then slowly just kind of build back up, um, slowly but surely, because certainly not working at the moment.
0: Sorry, Matt, let, let you get a word in now, but just to, to carry on that point... I, I... Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree more. You know, And I feel sorry for Elliot because I I don't think at his age we should be having these conversations about him. He should be playing in those little... He should be playing in the Bournemouths at home and he should be getting those minutes, building up his confidence. And Liverpool are in a bit of a catch-22 situation with him this season, I think, because he is one of their brightest young players. He's playing with more confidence than perhaps many of the others in the team. But I'd still argue that in an ideal world you don't want him playing every week because... It just isn't right for his development. He should be be a, they should be able to pick and choose the games that he comes in. Napoli away, Old Trafford away. It's, they, these aren't the sorts of games that that I think suit him. And you know, as well, you think back to when Liverpool were really on song, and a guy. You know, <laughs> not not that I've I've been um, hung up on this one piece of criticism all week, but I have. Uh, but the guy who criticised me for for <laughs> saying that the, the midfield lacked balance. Well, the whole point is that you know I do think Harvey Elliott slows things down by cutting in on his left foot. I think yeah, this guy said, oh well, does it remind you of anyone? Yeah, Mo Salah does it. But Mo Salah's a forward. He plays he plays in the final third, and he can do that. And also, you don't want two players cutting in on, on their, their their left foot on the right hand side because there's no there's no cohesion between them. And if you think back to when Liverpool were at their very best with someone like you know that had the midfield of Wijnaldum on the left side. Fabinho and Henderson. Henderson would also fill in at right back for Trent. So Trent's more exposed because because Elliot's not dropping into those areas. And that's not a criticism of Elliot as a player. It's a criticism of the system. And Liverpool have played a system that suits the personnel right now. It clearly doesn't, and there's something going wrong, and that is churning the results and the performances. So, you know, it's I, I really don't like having these conversations about Harvey Elliott because, don't get me wrong, I think he's got a massive future Liverpool. He's really, really talented. Um, but I don't think he quite works in this system because of you seeing it break down. Um, yeah, when you play Bournemouth at home, it'll look fine. But when you're playing in these trickier games, it breaks down. So yeah, it's um slightly difficult to talk about, but there you go.
1: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. In terms of kind of the, the overplaying of certain players, I think James Milner almost fits into that category as well of kind of there is there is a role Gorsley for him within this Liverpool team, but it, it just isn't, you know, three times a week, 90 minutes running himself into the ground. I mean, I, I could kind of see the argument really on Wednesday night for kind of there's no Jordan Henderson, so you want that kind of experience in the middle of the pitch. But then at the same time, about 20 minutes into the game, he'd given away a penalty clattered into someone with a stupid tackle and got a yellow card and, and just didn't really get anywhere close to it. So probably the biggest thing that he was there for was the experience, but he just didn't quite pan out in that way.
2: No, it didn't at all. And we do we do a piece of content on our site where we kind of pick our teams for the game. And I put Milner in there that made the point of him being being in there as a kind of experienced old head to add a bit of solidity. And then 20 minutes in, I'm turning my ear am thinking, well, that's why I'll never make it as a manager. I mean, I made the point in the the post-match verdict that Milner um, just looks like what he is at the moment, a player whose debut came 20 years ago. Um, And here he is starting games for Liverpool in the Champions League when they were finalists three, four months ago. So, yeah, there is a place for Milner in the squad. Um, It's coming on for 20 minutes here and there and seeing out a game, maybe giving others a little bit of a breather now and then, but it's not. Starting games in the Champions League away from home—certainly um, not at a team as good as Napoli. But again, I suppose that comes back to the unrelenting injury crisis in midfield that just doesn't seem to ever end or ever subside. I asked Klopp about Curtis Jones on uh, Tuesday because um, he hadn't travelled, and he was—he was on the bench for Newcastle, wasn't he? But then he wasn't for what was the game after that? I can't remember. Did the Derby, wasn't it? And um He said that he suffered a reoccurrence of this stress reaction in his calf um, and he was out for six weeks for that one, wasn't he? Roundabout. Um, Picked it up in the Community Shield and he only came back for the Newcastle game, so a month say. So we suffered the reoccurrence of that. That could be another two, three weeks of him on the shelf. Carvalho put in the same category as Elliot at the moment. You wouldn't want him playing too many games and I think there's already been a a little bit of an over-reliance on him, throwing him on, expecting them to to, to, you know, retrieve games. And, okay, he did that at Newcastle, but shouldn't be being asked of him, you know, this early into his Liverpool career. So there are are a lot of issues. I think Arthur Mellon will take a while to to get adjusted. Um, There's one kind of slither of good news is that Thiago is now back. Just need him to stay fit. And he's not a kind of, you know, fix all player, but having him back will at least give Liverpool something, you know, quality in midfield and a player who's been there and done it. And hopefully he can get a bit of run on the team. But we shall see because he's never been the most durable, has he, sadly? Um, Nabi Kater, can we talk about him for a minute because he's been called up to Guinea despite having not played a single minute for Liverpool this season? Not sure what's going on there. Someone was telling me yesterday that they don't expect him to play for Guinea, but what is the point of calling him up, sending him across to another continent while he's injured? Um, something a bit strange going on. I had up to hear from Jürgen Klopp on that today, but obviously the Wolves press conference was cancelled, so we're, we're still none the wiser. Maybe something he'll update us with on Monday before the Ajax game. That's a very strange situation. Um, so, everybody looked at the problems, and... Um, <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it's down to us to have a little bit of a moan about it on these pods. It's uh, down to Ian Klopp to put it right as soon as he can.
1: How much of a, a positive is Tiago Joe, in terms of, of him coming back? I think it, he did make Liverpool look a, a lot better on Wednesday night, but I wonder whether part of that was that Napoli had already won the game at that point. It was probably an easier time to come into it than anything else, but I suppose he will make some sort of positive difference for Liverpool.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you think of Thiago, you think of that classy player don't you? that gets on the ball, that sprays passes around, and moves the ball forward quickly. But you know what I found about him the other night—he almost came on and played the way we sort of expected, say, a Milner to play. And he came on, and he intercepted things, he was up in their in their face, and, and like playing quite with quite a lot of aggression. I was slightly concerned, thinking, you know, this one's gone, mate. You know, like don't don't injure yourself trying to drag Liverpool back into this one. But yeah, I mean, he, he certainly had a, a positive impact. And you know, again, you know, I keep talking about balance, but I certainly think when he plays, he gives Liverpool far more balance. You know, he, he, he sort of settles things down in midfield. He's very experienced. And, um, you know, I, I think crucially as well, one thing that we've seen this season a lot is that I don't think Liverpool have got the ball forwards through their forwards quick enough. You know, I think... Quite often, it seems to be slower getting the ball forward into the final third and then you see moves break down. They're never exploiting space in in behind teams or getting players into positions where they can threaten. And and with Thiago, you expect that to happen because he's so good at at spotting those forward, those straightforward passes with a lot of pace. So that, I think, is really key for Liverpool. They've not had that since the opening day of the season. Um, And it's easy to sort of, disregard that isn't it um you know that they've not had one of their their key players so it's massive to have him back um but again like Gorsey says I, I just can't get excited about it because I'm just so concerned now that he'll come back and be gone again in two weeks and and, and this is the issue that <laughs> Mr Negative in me keeps coming out because I think well, why didn't they prepare for this you know where was the conversations you know two years ago that you know Liverpool always want people to know that they plan in advance, two, two windows in advance. And, you know, it's a very good, nice p- bit of PR, but at the end of the day, it doesn't look very good when this is where we are and they're meant to plan so far in advance. So if they did want uh, Tushemi uh, this this summer, then surely there should have been alternatives or could have been alternatives rather than limp through another year. So, but, I'm, but I'm glad to see Tiago back and I think he will, Liverpool will improve no end if he can get a run of games, but it's still a big if at this stage.
1: One of the other things that I wanted to, to mention, gosty was I think Jurgen Klopp, I can't remember whether it was in his press conference or for, for BT afterwards on Wednesday. I think he used the word reinvention. I think I'm right in saying that and yeah. kind of spoke a little bit around that, which... I don't know, that that didn't quite feel right at this point in the season as well. I don't know whether maybe I misread the, the context of those quotes, but to kind of be talking in that sense, what, seven games into the, the season, are we, that that seemed a little bit strange to me.
2: Yeah, well, to be fair, I, th- I think you said that to BT Sport and then uh, Simon Peach from the Press Association actually asked him in the, the post-match press conference, you know, what, what exactly did you mean by that? And to be fair to Klopp, he said, well, you know, sometimes you just say things after games and you haven't had a chance to properly analyze things and maybe we don't need to reinvent ourselves, but we need to be playing, you know, if we were playing at a similar level as last season, I think everyone would be happy with that. So it was almost just the kind of case of let's just get back to where we were a few months ago and then reassess and and see what we can do about adding one or two things to to the game. Because for all the kind of talk of integrating Darwin Nunes and, you know, a little bit of a new plan for for Trent, for example, or even Robertson for me when he when he played against Palace. I know Steve was kind of breaking beyond the striker at a certain points, and it looked to me like it had been like a little bit of a new tactic that Liverpool were trying to unleash. Um All of that has kind of been brushed to the side while they try and bring back elements of the game that, that they've been so consistent with for so long because all of it's just gone gone to the wall, hasn't it? Of late, the, 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 there's no. There's no pressing, there's no harrying hand and closing down, getting tight, putting in the foot. They're kind of just letting the opposition do what they want. And then in possession, that they, they, they look they look so off the pace as well. So um, I think there are a lot of things they need to do just to get back to where they were before they can start thinking of developing the, the game further with the unpredictability that they often talk about. So I think that was just something Klopp initially said to BT Sport, because um, you we know that he, he loves the kind of the, the, the one-liners, doesn't he, the, the kind of sound bites, and, and I think he said something like, we need to re- reinvent ourselves, and you just kind of look at it and think, oh, well, that's a bit of a statement, but then I think perhaps he was given another ten minutes to think about it while he came into the press conference, and I think he just meant get back to, to the way that we were, and then we can take from there, because um, so much of what, may, what, what makes Liverpool a great side just isn't there at the moment.
1: Just to, to finish up then, Joe, in terms of, of kind of getting back to, to what Liverpool want to be, obviously Tiago will play a part in that. Diogo Jota back as well. He could play a bit of a part in it. There's still you know plenty to, to get out of, of Darwin Nunez. What what's the kind of priority do you think in, in terms of just getting something more like the, the normal Liverpool back? Is is there one or two things that you think would be an obvious fix or is there just too many to name at this moment?
0: There's a lot of names that I mean. First of all, you know, I would be looking for consistency. Of course, he's I think has written a piece that will be going up soon about Joel Matip. Um, you know, I I agree that I think I would love to try and get some consistency into areas the pitch like the back four, for example. You know, let's get a partnership between Van Dyke and and Matip and stick with it if that's the way we're going. Um, I should imagine they probably wanted to go with Kanate this season more regularly, but his injury is sort of put to that. So, you know, I would start there, try to get some sort of consistency, consistency into midfield for being, you know, Tiago and one other, whether that is Elliot in some games and then, you know, you, you rotate in others, but certainly I'd like to see two of the three filled more regularly. And then your forward line, you've got more options, haven't you? So, um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's starting to look healthier now. Um, it'd be great if we could see Jota get back on the score sheet, some, slightly, I'm not massively concerned, but some slightly worrying statistics around Jota and his goal-scoring record this calendar year, you know obviously he had a good season last season but the goals dried up a little bit towards the end, but then sort of they did for Salah, you know, I don't think really towards the end of last season, it was only really Sadio Mane that was regularly scoring, so, you know, I think that's slightly, that statistic is worrying, but it's slightly within context of what Liverpool have been doing in the last six months so, you know, I've no doubt that once Liverpool click, he will get scoring again. So, I mean, there's that. Personally, I wonder whether, you know, when Klopp thought about reinventing him, Liverpool, yeah, maybe it's not quite the word he was looking for, but I'd love to know um, whether there's some internal discussions about a tweak of formation in, in the longer term um, and whether that, you know, because you look at the personnel they have now and the way perhaps a Nunes plays, um, you know, mm. trying to get the best out of an Elliott or a Cavallo and you know looking for a, a more regular two in midfield rather than three. um you wonder whether that could work with a, a 4231 that sort of thing. but maybe that does that make the fullbacks less effective. I suppose these are the questions that Klopp will be trying to answer in training. so i i wondered when he said reinvention whether it could be something more drastic like that. Uh, but but yeah i mean I think the first thing is to just get consistency in certain areas, central defence, central midfield, and, and obviously the forward line hasn't been quite as bad, but now they have options, but yeah, it's start there.
1: Yeah, certainly plenty of things for Liverpool to be working on this weekend, but no game, so we'll leave it there for today's podcast. We'll have all the usual stuff next week as well around the Champions League, providing that that goes ahead, but for now, that will just about do us. From myself, Matt Addison, Joe Rimmer and Paul Ghost, it's goodbye for now.